Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maite. In his first major foreign policy act as president, Joe Biden renewed the New START treaty with Russia, the last remaining accord that limited the nuclear arms stockpiles of both countries. But despite this opening act of diplomacy, Biden has also sent signals that he will seek continued confrontation. In his first speech on foreign policy, Joe Biden called for confronting Russia and singled out the case of the imprisoned anti-corruption activist Alexei Navalny. I made it clear to President Putin in a manner very different from my predecessor that the days of the United States rolling over in the face of Russia's aggressive actions, interfering with our elections, cyber attacks, poisoning its citizens are over. We will not hesitate to raise the cost on Russia and defend our vital interest and our people. Mr. Navalny, like all Russian citizens, is entitled to his rights under the Russian Constitution. He's been targeted, targeted for exposing corruption. He should be released immediately and without condition. Navalny was imprisoned just months after he survived a poisoning attempt that he has blamed on the Russian government. And all this has only bolstered Navalny's image in the West as the poster child of the Russian opposition. But how do Russians actually feel about Navalny? Well, joining me now are two Russian writers and activists with different perspectives than we usually hear in the Western media about Navalny. Katya Kazbak is a writer, translator, and the editor-in-chief of arts and culture magazine Supermodo.com. And Alexei Saknin is a Russian activist and a member of the Left Front. He was one of the leaders of the anti-Putin protest movement in 2011 to 2013. Welcome Katya and Alexei to Pushback. Katya, I'll start with you. Can you talk about who Alexei Navalny is and contrast how you see him with how he is held up in the West? Uh, so Alexei Navalny is um, first and foremost known as the anti-corruption uh, investigative journalist. Um, and he has also been uh, active in politics uh, in um, a wide range of positions, uh, starting with uh, the pro-Western uh, free market oriented uh, Yavlika party from which he, however, was expelled due to his uh, nationalist leanings, um, which uh, were also a big part of his uh, uh, history and something that uh, they prefer not to center on uh, currently, uh, like some of the videos he had made where he compared uh, migrants to cockroaches and flies uh, that should be killed, uh, if not with the swatters or um, shoes, then with guns, um, as well as uh, uh, proclaiming himself as a certified nationalist. Um, he had since um, made a little bit of a shift uh, towards um, populist politics. Uh, and I think Alexei will be able to talk about this uh, better in how uh, the strategy for his uh, politics is now to uh, try to take away the popular support from the uh, left forces uh, and uh, to um, you center some um, progressive uh, politics uh, in the, together with some uh, neoliberal policies and to kind of like try to present this as uh, an alternative to what's happening uh, in Putin's uh, Russia. And, uh, but basically he has uh, 
very loose uh, um, politics and uh, keeps going back and forth, which uh, I think is evident in some of the interviews he was given recently, um, including uh, post uh, poisoning story when he was in Germany and spoke to Die Spiegel in 2020, or when he spoke uh, to The Guardian in 2018, I believe, and uh, said that he doesn't, um, for instance, renounce his uh, nationalist politics uh, because it uh, allowed him to be able to be a bridge between uh, nationalists and uh, liberals and everyone else. Um, and he's also, um, has uh, been brought to the spotlight, of course, by uh, this uh, uh, poisoning uh, story from last year, which has uh, co recently culminated in his return from Germany, where he was undergoing treatment uh, to Russia, after which he has been detained uh, for uh, violating the terms of his parole uh, in connection to two um, cases uh, in which he has been uh, indicted for fraud, um, for companies, uh, a timber company and a cosmetics company uh, where he used, uh, he used to work as a lawyer. And uh, the cases which he himself, uh, as well as the uh, European Court for uh, Human Rights have called um, fraudulent, but uh, nonetheless that are upheld in the Russian legal system at this point. Alexa, you are in Moscow. You've been involved in the Russian opposition movement as a leftist protest leader for a long time now. How do you see this saga of Navalny and the protests that have uh, resulted from his imprisonment? Um, you know, let us start from a point that I personally knew Alexei Navalny. And eight years ago, we sit in the same coalition. It was a, a wide coalition which rule or coordinate the protest movement of 2012-2013. And I have also my personal private experience. And let me try to be his lawyer this time. As uh, most part of left-wing people in world used to, to feel, used to not believe for liberal leaders. And they have a lot of reasons for that. Liberal in Russian means not left-wing, right? R uh, market liberal leaders. And Navalny is one of them. So he provoked many mistakes, uh, many подозрений. Uh, suspicions. Many suspicions. But I want to say that still Navalny four or five times in uh, his political biography changed his main political um, identity from liberal politician he transformed to um, nationalist from uh, nationalist back to liberal politician and then to almost left wing but still always he was quite honest with himself and all that time, all that 15 years, he was the same ideologically motivated person. And his ideology, his worldwide, his worldview, his mentality was created in a time when political climate in Russia was totally dominated by market liberalism, new liberalism in the most radical form. In one of interviews, he even told how much he was fan of Igor Gaidar, who was uh, author of uh, Shock Therapy in the 90s. 
figure comparable with uh, Reagan or Margaret Thatcher, but much more radical. So his mind, his mentality was done, was created by that type of thinking. And he saw always his own mission, and he believed in his mission, to save Russia in a way to make it real liberal democracy like the Holy West. And with that type of thinking, he entered the Liberal Party Yabloka 2000. But suddenly he recognized that liberal ideology have no any democratic perspective. Just there is no more than two percent people who would vote for such ideological parties. What to do? What to, and ruling class who supported that uh, liberal market ideology for 15 or 12 or 15 years decide to transform its um, representation to state patriotism. What to do, how to, to fight for people's popularity. And it was in the middle of 2000. Just imagine the intellectual and cultural atmosphere in Moscow, big cities of Russia in the middle of 2000, 2005. So the left type of thinking, left ideology is still discredited totally by the United uh, Soviet Union fall. Liberal, uh, pro-West liberalism is also discredited by the terrible social results of that politics, politics that, that it covered. So what could be the alternative? And the first mass political fashion was hardcore nationalism. And Navalny saw in that nationalistic wave the way to, to collect voices, to collect sympathies. And then 2012, he suddenly recognized that in spontaneous protest, and 2012 protest was uh, in many ways spontaneous, but in spontaneous protest in very left country, left forces have more chances than him, still they are marginal. They don't have apparatus. They don't have paid um, personnel. They don't have those own media. They, we were just guys from suburbs without any resources. But we suddenly get summarized a lot of sympathies, partly because of we were guys from suburbs. Not because of all Moscovites became like communist as me. No, just they, they recognize me the same guy, the representative of, of those way of living, you know, those social experience. And Navalny recognized that that kind of social rhetoric could make more, could donate more in his liberal jihad, in his liberal uh, holy war, than nationalistic agenda, than nationalistic speculations. So Navalny study and learn himself how to speak with majority, former Putin majority. You know, and but as a lawyer of Alexei Navalny here, I have to say that he never is <coughs> some себе. He never he betrayed himself. Betrayed himself. He always, all that long way, he was true liberal politician 
if you will take a look in his program, it's still very liberal. There is difference. Some, some new points he had to put in. Not Putin, but put in. Uh, but in general, it's a program which includes privatization, integration, deeply integration of Russia to the global market, sale and privatization of the huge Russian state-owned uh, corporations, include oil, gas, and natural resources, and so on, and strategical military and uh, space technology, which are still quite cool. Let's sell them to the Wall Street banks. Why, why not? Why not? They are friends. And one of the most, one of the <coughs> most important proposition of Alexei Navalny is end of the Cold War, is end of the conflict with the, in my language, imperialistic center. And that is message which not uh, middle class want to receive that message because middle class want uh, to travel in Europe. But the main receiver, the main address of that message is the ruling class. Now Biden discussed the threat that Russia could turn to China. And in Russia, there is a lot of speculation about that geopolitical shit. Problem is that no one Russian oligarch, Russian corrupted bureaucrat, governor, or police chef have accounts in Beijing, People's Bank. All of them have accounts. They sold motherland to have accounts with billiards in Bank of New York or in London City. The quarters in real estate in London owns by Russian oligarchs. Uh, the French Riviera in Mediterranean, Mediterranean, right? Mm -hmm. Owns by Russian oligarchs. And they are not satisfied with that in imperialistic crisis. So main message of Navalny is message that I'm a figure which make peace with West possible, even if that peace would be capitulation. Right. So let me ask Katya, how does the selling off of Russia, the looting of Russia in the 1990s, that experience, how does that loom over now how Russians view someone like Navalny and his program? Well, I think it uh, largely depends on whether uh, people have this uh, context uh, of history to look back to. Because uh, for instance, uh, the one of the places where my family comes from is uh, uh, in uh, Krasnodar, the south of Russia, which uh, where a lot of industries have been uh, overtaken by uh, Westerners or uh, oligarchs or um, are right now in the hands of people close to the governments there. So uh, it's uh, even though the uh, region is uh, compared to other places in Russia, it's compar comparatively prosperous. Uh, there's still uh, this um, memory of um, the hardships that existed. And I think in general over Russia, because um, after the 90s with uh, Yeltsin and uh, Gaidar's um, 
uh, economic uh, reforms uh, that Alexei has mentioned, uh, so many people were left with, uh, jobless uh, as uh, the factories were privatized and shattered as uh, everyone had to redefine themselves. There was so much poverty, so many suicides and stuff uh, that uh, is uh, still remains uh, the horror of uh, many families. Uh, just in comparison to that, uh, I, I feel like this is something that makes uh, people uh, prefer Putin even having grievances with him uh, as much as Navalny tries, uh, because they see a comparative change to their well-being, even though it's still uh, nowhere near any kind of uh, standard or nothing to be proud of or and uh, something to be ashamed of uh they still uh at least like for instance my relatives do have this opinion or uh, a lot of the people that i know in the regions uh that it's still uh in better uh because something has improved uh since uh the 90s and they don't want some kind of uh, like a shake-up to happen again which is why they are generally distrustful of what uh Navalny is offering, uh, because he also, he, while offering kind of the same thing as in the 90s in terms of uh, further privatization and uh, another uh, leap of uh, unity with the Russia, uh, with the, the West, where we've already been as well, uh, he, he just doesn't have the track record uh, of uh, also actually improving in the uh, further, even though he has, um, again, as Alexei has said, especially in the wake of uh, Bernie Sanders' popularity lately, I think. He has uh, incorporated such things as um, raising minimal wages, raising pensions um, to people uh, across Russia, uh, which is especially meaningful in context of the pension reforms uh, that uh, Putin's government has been uh, carrying out in the past uh, uh, two years and which are going to continue where ev pretty much everyone in Russia is going to have their pension age um, rise by uh, five years, uh, which uh, for men, uh, it's especially important because uh, it's just uh, two years or three years short of um, the medium uh, death rate, uh, age uh, for a Russian male uh, because women will be able to live some, for some time after pension, but men just go into retirement and die. So, uh, this uh, is obviously important, but uh, then again, in his, uh, for instance, in the program that he offered uh, when he wanted to run for president in 2018, uh, those uh, terms are coupled with uh, things like uh, lack of um, control over uh, industries and corporations uh, and uh, uh, again, the privatization. So it makes it uh, hard to understand how exactly this uh, would be achieved um so because of the the way his uh, economic uh uh terms are structured so i i don't know if uh, this is uh but obviously like you, we can't really talk about how um much uh, people are actually uh like it it basically becomes a, a battle of how terrible can uh the ruling uh, party make it and uh, how uh, much trust are they expected to put into Navalny, I guess. But I don't know if uh, Alexei has another uh, point of view on that. So 20, I, in my eyes, we have well, sociologists uh, try to research the public and they recognize that almost half, almost half of uh, demonstrants 
was first time on streets. First time participate in uh, protest actions. It's totally new public. Uh, very important fact that last 15 years, since 2006, all majority of all political mobilizations was Moscovitz. Was Moscovitz. Now Moscow is not the center of the protest mood anymore. In far province, even in Krasnodar, South is very difficult in, in that understanding that way. But in Ural and Siberia and Volga region, protest mobilization in person are much more than in Moscow. In Petersburg, it's much more. So my analysis and my solution, it's new social forces who came to the to, 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 to protest, to demonstration. It's not middle class anymore. The main force is a massive professions, teachers, workers, precarious workers, and so on. And they bring with them social agenda. Questions about equality is the parallel. I have been on that mobilization. Just young girls, 15 or 16 years old, they start from inequality. You know, it's totally different atmosphere. Uh, but not majority of those who are angry are not ready now to stand under the Navalny flex because they remember what we with Katya talk about. He is still represent of the ruling class. He is still connected. He have a heritage from the liberal tradition and liberal politics. And nobody ready to repeat 90s. Nobody who is older than 20. Then Navalny's aim is to transform that situation, that to transform all form of contradictions between left and right, socialist and uh, liberals, between poor and rich, into just one front line. Party of Putin's reaction here and party of abstract changes here. Then he, he want to came to the front line where it would be impossible even for me to sit home. When everyone in every fucking village should decide which side of the barricade he is on. That or that. And our right, so let me ask you quickly. Did you take part in any of the protests around Navalny in recent weeks? Yes, 31st, uh, both times, uh, 23rd of uh, October of January, I have been in Samara in Volga region. And as a protester? I have been in Moscow. As a protester? As a journalist. A journalist, okay, okay. So you didn't see yourself represented no, in those protests? No, all what I am talking here about should show that I have some contradiction some some uh, suspicions against Navalny. Yeah. I don't believe that his way of thinking, his politics would make working class life better. It could be very dangerous to my country, my our people, to the working class. So and and I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm just, I'm not a marginal leftist in the middle of nowhere. It's 20 million, I guess, 
mm. who are thinking like that and probably much more because between those who didn't look for for that translations many don't look on politics just because of they don't see other alternative putin is a less evil than liberals think the older generation who remember 90s very well and social disaster of 90s katya let me ask you about a video that the FSB recently put out via RT, the uh, Russian state-owned network. It's an old video from, I think, 2012, where a Navalny ally, Vladimir Ashurkov, who is with uh, Navalny's group, he meets with a uh, British official from the British embassy in Russia. The FSB says that they suspect him of really being a British spy working under diplomatic cover. But regardless of what his actual role is, they are meeting and Ashurkov talks with him about asking for funding, asking for something like 10 to 20 million dollars per year. Um, and he said, talks about reaching out to the Russian elite and basically saying, if I read his words correctly, that, uh, that Navalny does not pose a big threat to them, that they want to bring them on board to their side. And they also talk about their plan of uh, having protests, uh, propaganda, he even says, just as a part, uh, just as part of a wave of opposition to Putin, and they're trying to basically bring British government support on side. If we had more money, we would be, we would expand our activities, of course, with uh, a little money. If somebody would spend, I don't know, ten, twenty million dollars a year. Supporting this, we would see quite different picture, and this is, uh, you know, not a big amounts of money for people who have billions at stake in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the message that I'm trying to project in my you know, fundraising effort and talking to people in business community and so on. Yeah, we yeah. need to play on different chatboards. Yeah. Mass protests, civil initiatives, sure. um, propaganda establishing contacts with the elite and explaining to them that we are reasonable people and not, uh, we're not going to demolish everything and take away their yeah, assets. Yeah. Like what did you make of this video, which was obviously put out in response to the global outcry over Navalny's sentencing? Uh, well, I think that uh, it's very uh, crucial to uh, view um, Ashurkov, uh, first of all, uh, in connection to what uh, Alexei has just been saying, uh, because he himself uh, is a representative of uh, that particular uh, liberal capitalist class, uh, because he used to uh, work, uh, for instance, for some, quite some time for the St. Petersburg uh, port, which is uh, connected to mafia and connected to Putin's own uh, time in uh, St. Petersburg and uh, linked to a whole lot of corruption. Um, and afterwards he uh, worked for Alpha Bank, uh, Alpha Bank, uh, the one of the biggest banks in Russia, which um, is, uh, uh, Mikhail Friedman, who heads it, uh, he is one of the biggest bankers uh, who appeared uh, in um, uh, the post-Soviet Russia. And uh, he did uh, fire Ashurkov uh, from the bank uh, publicly and said that he cannot have anyone 
um, work uh, in his uh, structure who is linked to the opposition. However, it has been uh, alleged that uh, Friedman was also funding uh, Froshorkov, uh, Navalny's um, actions and uh, what um, Alexey has been saying about the industry wars uh, uh, via his investigative videos, um, etc. So th this is uh, something to take into consideration. Um, and uh, definitely, uh, this uh, video was um, taken out. Uh, it, I think it's pretty much uh, as old as the investigation into the palace itself. So that's uh, also an interesting parallel. And uh, I believe there's also a video uh, where Navalny himself is meeting with uh, people from the um, American government in a restaurant. Um, so those are... Um, and uh, in addition to that, I think that Ashurkov's uh, name was um, also listed on uh, some uh, sort of um, in, in, in investigation into who are the resources um, linked to some of uh, UK's uh, intelligence operations, uh, which also included, uh, for instance, um, Anne Applebaum, uh, the um, writer who writes about uh, Holodomor uh, and uh, the... Um, uh, Peter Pomerantsev, uh, who is also often quoted on uh, in Russian context. Uh, so that's uh, definitely uh, something that uh, the Russian government is using uh, to discredit this, but also something that uh, I feel like uh, alongside the general um, Western uh, narrative of, uh, of making the protests directly about Navalny is... Um, interfering with um, achieving the really uh, necessary goals of uh, making uh, the Russian government answer to why there is no equality and why the everything is uh, so bad for the working people in Russia. Um, because I feel like um, I, I was actually looking at um, a lot of the narratives um, about the protests uh, in the Western media, and all of them uh, completely disregard this really big portion of uh, the people in Russia that Alexei is talking about, who are uh, fed up with uh, many issues from ecology to COVID response to pension reform to uh, a, a regional um, uh, corruption that doesn't allow regions to have good resources, unlike Moscow. Uh, for instance, and this a lot of those grievances are just um, uh, ignored. Instead, every, the whole focus is uh, uh, on Navalny, which uh, obviously has drawn a lot of parallels to his figure and the figure of uh, Juan Guaido or uh, Janine Agnes uh, in Bolivia, uh, because uh, it just uh, seems that uh, all of the Western governments are so much in support of uh, Navalny and Navalny is so much in uh, for uh, healing the um, uh, relationships with the Western governments that uh, it's both uh, uh, obvious, but at the same time also opportune for the Russian government to view this as a one big uh, psyop uh, that's uh, are aimed by the West to uh, meddle in the Russian affairs. Uh, 
And uh, I think that uh, probably Alexei has uh, more to add on this uh, issue as well. Well, let me say also my views on this. See, it's hard for me. I see, I see this spectacle of Navalny being sentenced to prison for not attending hearings while, while he was recovering from being poisoned, hmm. which you know, on, on the face of it is very unjust. At the same time, though, I can't ignore the fact that Navalny is working openly with Bellingcat, which is a very shady state-funded group that pretty much exclusively targets state adversaries mm -hmm. of the U.S. government and the British government, which also happen to uh, support it in the case of the U.S. directly funded through the National Endowment for Democracy. Mm -hmm. uh, Bellingcat's been involved in smearing OPCW whistleblowers in the bid to justify uh, U.S.-led airstrikes on Syria over chemical weapons allegations and basically cover up all of the corruption surrounding that chemical weapons investigation and how the OPCW's own scientists were suppressed, something I've, I've uh, covered extensively. So it's the fact that he's working so closely with Bellingcat raises automatic suspicions on top of the very strange details of his poisoning, which for many reasons just don't really add up. But Alexei, maybe you have some thoughts on this. The fact that Navalny is supported so uh, so passionately and openly by Western governments and even works closely with actors like Bellingcat that are tied to Western governments. First, what I want to say, you know, I was uh, twice a hero of the spy scandal. First, it was when Russian propaganda and Russian government and Russian politicians in parliament accused me and my, mostly not me personally, but my nearest comrade, Sergei Udaltsov, uh, that we are Georgian spies, mm. and that we are working on CIA in general in order to divide Russia between small countries around Karelia to Finland and Kaliningrad to Lithuania through the some Georgian politician, right-wing, nationalistic, and liberal, pro-West, CIA-tight uh, politician. And they show film and, and serious films in TV where they mix many uh, scenes, and, and it looks very impressive, looked very impressive. And I have lived, I had, Sergei Udaltsov got four and half years of prison after that films with much easier accusation. It was just uh, propagandistic camouflage, but he sit in prison almost five years and not he only, and I had to immigrate and lived as a political uh, refugee in Sweden. And there I became first a good guy and a journalist, and then when I criticized the Ukrainian Maidan, I was accused that I am the threat to Swedish national security <laughs> by people nearly tied, tied with pro-NATO think tanks, Atlantic Council, and so on. Pro-NATO. You know, Pro-NATO. Pro pro uh, think tanks. Oh, pro-NATO. Pro-NATO. Right. Pro-NATO pro yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, for for articles in uh, mainstream media. And for uh, that, yeah, I, I took part in uh, anti-NATO campaign in neutral country, which is not part of NATO. So uh, I have been in, accused that I am spy or agent, foreign agent twice. 
for two for two different sides for two different sides yes on two different sides so yeah. my personal biography could be canonized in hollywood if you know hollywood producers please tell them um <laughs> about this but i mean uh we especially left and democratic in general democratic people should not be so paranoid when secret services speculating about that agent agenda my point yes they worked and they get some some uh, information from intelligence yes yes they do i guess through billing cat or they get it through some legalization some ngo but it's not a moral question at all and then uh, shurka was a top manager of alpha group as kati mentioned he was open ambassador of oligarchy. Alpha Group is one of the most powerful oligarchy groups, which had a near ties with Yeltsin, first president family. You know, so Ashurka was ambassador of big business, of liberal pro-West big business in Navalny political machine, Navalny team. He it was his work to to create. What a, a lobbyist made in uh, making USA. It's illegal. It's a not secret. Now Russia today make a wow investigation. They meet with bourgeoisie, big business, and discuss it with foreign diplomats. Oh shit! It's banal, banal, and we should not discuss that. It's not a main. Main is what they are openly saying, what how they are acting, what they are doing in public sphere. We are not spite hunters here. We are trying, and you know, so far we would discuss all that conspirological shit. We would be like canon. We would be very passive. We would sit in internet and just oh, they speak with embassies, they speak with secret services. Question is how to present which critic could make us as left, as progressive, active. And then it should be public position. We should criticize those public position, those social ties, not the secret uh, uh, intelligence ties. I got it. I guess for me as a citizen of the, of the West, I live in the US, it's different because I'm particularly concerned about how my government destabilizes other countries and what actors they use for that. But I, I understand that in a local context, one's concerns are a bit different. And especially- Can I ask also yeah. a question? Yeah. You know, uh, Russia today is clean Russian propaganda, but Julian Assange, should he, he had a program in Russia today. Was it good or bad? I think it's great that he has a platform. Right. It's exactly what Navalny could answer on uh, your question. It's right. a great that I got assistance from the competent specialist from Bilinket, even if some of them are officers of the secret service of the main democratic country in the world, would say Navalny. And then you are with Navalny in the same level of discussion, in the same, you know, context. I got it. But in that context, though, there is a power imbalance. I see the U.S. is far more 
powerful than Russia and in terms of its goals around the world, its impact around the world, far more destabilizing. Yes, I agree. But um, my, my position and what I'm trying to do, I, I get a lot of hate from uh, um, pro-democratic uh, leftist in Russia, pro-pro-Navalny side of left movement, because I uh, gave interview to Russian television, mm. because I helped to uh, dictatorship and so on. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of uh, criticism from, you know, patriotic left that I gave interview to uh, Voice of America or Radio Free Freedom. Radio in order to, to be moral and politically free to do it, we should be in some other, uh, other context, other level of discussion. R politics of the ruling class is always conspirological, always. It's always conspiracy mood against people. Yes. And our answer is not to make counter-conspiracy. Our, our answer is to make public platform against all of that form of conspiracy. Got it. Katya, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think uh, that uh, Alexei is making uh, great points uh, because I also um, feel like recently uh, I have uh, obviously I'm uh, not as prominent uh, a figure uh, in uh, the Russian opposition as uh, Alexei is, uh, but uh, I have uh, also since I uh, lived in uh, Russia and uh, participated in the protests uh, in the uh, early 2010s and uh, then uh, moved here uh, and uh, uh, am currently in New York, but um, I have also been uh, accused of being uh, uh, working for the US government and going um, to the protest for what they called like the US uh, State Department cookies. Uh, and uh, which uh, was not true because I did this on my own accord. Um, now here, I whenever I say something about uh, things that are not uh, uh, usually discussed in the Western uh, media, you know, for instance, uh, like uh, Navalny's nationalism or uh, the actual the fact that uh, people are not only protesting for him or that we don't need to center this uh, the narrative uh, of the protests around him uh, or center him specifically as well. Uh, I am always called um, a propaganda agent um, for a Kremlin bot and uh, things like that, uh, especially given the fact that I have uh, written a few op-eds which uh, were mostly based um, on my Twitter threads uh, for Russia Today. Now everyone is saying that I'm working for them and that everything that I uh, say should be discounted. And uh, I recently had like this weird uh, spat with actually a woman from Bellingcat where uh, they actually started um, accusing Alexei of the things that he's saying he's been accused of. Uh, then uh, I said like, you were not in a position to judge uh, like you can be accused of the same thing uh, when they accused me of the same thing. So it's just, it uh, snowballs and it's uh, really, uh, and I at the same time, I understand what you are saying. And it's uh, really uh, difficult to 
especially viewing those things from uh, the heart of the imperial world uh, from here uh, to, um, uh, to uh, it's hard to stop concentrating on the fact that everyone who is um, working in this is always uh, has some Washington DC connection or uh, has gone on this, uh, for instance, like uh, Navalny and Wolkoff uh, themselves have gone to this uh, Yale fellowship program, uh, which also a lot of um, actors in um, the Ukrainian Maidan had uh, participated in. So it's hard to tune all of this out, but at the same time, uh, I think we should also consider that much higher than that is the soft power um, that exists in Russia uh, and that has been relentless uh, ever, uh, even before the collapse of the Soviet Union, basically uh, like in a lot of um, Soviet revisionism um, in uh, the politics of Perestroika, all of that was uh, American soft power where we were made to feel like um, uh, that culturally um, uh, the U.S. is uh, much better and um, uh, the only prospect for democracy that uh, there exists in the world. And uh, that was also paired with uh, the uh, something that uh, Alexei has mentioned already, the complete denigration of uh, the Soviet Union, its history. And um, so right now there's this uh, um, big um, idiosyncrasy that exists uh, within uh, the minds of people who are uh, have to exist in this uh, parallel universe where um, of, uh, Putin is using the Soviet uh, heritage for his advantage, then uh, the uh, Navalny and the rest are using the Western um, heritage uh, for uh, their advantage. And uh, then you're stuck with uh, things that for instance, like the free medicine, which we have uh, in Russia, it's um, leftover from the Soviet Union. And it's not really good uh, because of corruption and uh, privatizations that happened, so, uh, which is uh, the heritage of the West. So you uh, kind of uh, existing in those uh, kind of uh, narratives is uh, very, um, makes um, actually advocating for a left politics and progressive politics very hard because um, uh, those uh, mental blocks where whenever you say something about uh, socialism, uh, it's immediately dis um, discounted uh, due to, because it's immediately seen as uh, some kind of uh, like uh, need to bring back the gulags because there is uh, no one wants to uh, consider anything in between. And uh, it's just um, really, really uh, hard to maintain uh, a good dialogue. Uh, all the while, uh, the, for instance, Soviet Union remains very popular and uh, people have uh, do not uh, necessarily want to see unity with the West. Uh, so this is, uh, so just to uh, kind of um, say that it's only like those agents of the West and those agents of uh, Russia, uh, it's a kind of um, uh, trying to say the same thing as uh, the Democrats have been trying to do with the Russiagate, uh, that uh, there are no problems that exist within the US and all the problems that, uh, seem to have been appearing are Russian influence. Uh, 
that's a dangerous path and uh, it's going to be dangerous uh, for uh, the entirety of uh, Biden's rule or Kamala Harris's rule, uh, we'll see. Uh, but uh, basically it's uh, just uh, deflecting from the existing problems. Uh, so uh, we should just uh, try to concentrate on actually building something that's uh, neither here nor there, uh, all the while using uh, whatever ways we can uh, to advocate for for uh, things that need uh, to be advocated for, as uh, for instance, I have also used uh, Radio Free Europe, um, uh, Radio Liberty to uh, talk about feminism in Russia, because uh, back in the early 2010s, uh, there were no other platforms that would wanted to do the same. So, yeah. So we're going to wrap. I'm going to ask you both for final comments. Alexei, I'm just curious about what the mood is in Russia right now. You have rising tensions between Russia and the US and Europe. Both Biden and Tony Blinken have taken confrontational postures, at least in public, the way they've talked about Russia since taking office. Russia just expelled some European diplomats for attending Alexei Navalny's uh, hearing, uh, sentencing hearing. Uh, you also have, though, this great news this week about the success of the Sputnik vaccine for oh. COVID for COVID, the, the mm -hmm. success of the Sputnik va vaccine for COVID. So mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what you're expecting in the coming months inside Russia and whether Navalny's imprisonment will lead to sustained protests, what you're expecting when it comes to Russian relations with Europe and the US now that we have uh, Joe Biden in power. You know, I lived in Sweden for six years and uh, <clears throat> when someone came from Russia, I just ran and asked how, how is it going? And uh, in, on the top of that Ukrainian conflict, the main mood, the main atmosphere was like this, that if person came to the shop to buy cigarettes or coffee and he speak with some foreign accent, so the guy who sell or she or he, would ask, is it okay? What are you fucking doing there on the West? Why you are always attacking us? So now it's not, this atmosphere is gone. Uh, and uh, that gave some opportunities, you know? Problem, which we partly discuss right now together with you and Katya, is that for, last decades there was not some subject which we could identify ourselves with there was not left or communist or socialist um party or i don't know international whose agent am i i dream to be agent of the working class i dream to be agent of international but there was nothing like that. And then we have to join party which we don't like, party of Russian patriotic elite or American democratic imperialists or whatever, European social liberals or whatever. Uh, now in Russia, that patriotic wave is gone and still West and Western... Um, Alice in the ruling class, in the liberal, between liberal politicians, are still 
very dangerous alternative, political alternative, but that gave us possibility to act, to propose to millions of people our own agenda, agenda of peace, because voice was never been so close since Caribbean crisis 1961, right? We should propose reforms and, uh, and changes, but not all like last 40 years changes means that working class life became worse, that incomes and loans and pensions became less, that social guarantees became less, that stress and precarious work became more. First time after 40 years, we can propose another alternative changes, but in interest of majority, not of interest of small minority. And that is exactly, I guess, what unites situation in uh, UK, US and Russia and Sweden and everywhere in at least in development countries. So my responsibility as a Russian left wing politician, activist, journalist or whatever, is to find a way to our own actions, not to join Putin or Navalny, not to join Washington or Putin's Gelenjik Golden Palace. Establish my own motherland, which have no national borders, which have social project, from abstract slogans to can concrete mobilizations. Right now, even if it means that first step, second and third step, we would get defeat. It's better to get defeat, to be defeated, than to do not nothing. Mm. Katya, your final comments as we wrap. Uh, I absolutely agree with what Alexey is saying. I think this is uh, the thing that uh, we should be preoccupied with most. And uh, I personally, even though I cannot uh, leave uh, right now, I am anxiously waiting when I will be able to go to Russia and uh, organize for that as well. And um, I think that uh, and, uh, what I would add uh, is that uh, I think we also need to try and find um, a way to exchange ideas and uh, activism uh, initiatives and organize together with uh, our comrades in um, countries like uh, Bolivia, like Peru, like uh, Chile, like uh, uh, Uruguay, uh, China, uh, some uh, ex-Soviet republics, uh, basically all the countries that are um, also uh, pursuing uh, their um, left uh, agenda and uh, at the same time trying to um, escape uh, the net of uh, neoliberalism and uh, imperialism uh, and uh, from within and without. Um, so this is uh, something that uh, I really feel will be instructive uh, because, uh, for instance, if we look at uh, Bolivia, the way they were able to um, a fight off the um, coup and uh, then uh, were able to, uh, in the past few years, uh, just uh, restore a lot of um, economic justice to the indigenous people who live uh, there, to uh, its working class. I feel like we can uh, accomplish the same. It will just uh, take a lot of work and it will take uh, a lot of um, uh, independent action uh, that where uh, you don't recognize uh, the um, 
the two existing options as the only binary, uh, just like as in anything else. And uh, uh, basically, that's I feel like uh, this is uh, the um, lesson that everyone whom I knew from the protests uh, in uh, 2010s have taken. Uh, so some people stayed on the same way and they're just repeating what uh, they were doing uh, back then uh, over and over again. Some are younger, so they're just trying the same thing that we tried then. Uh, but I feel like the way forward is to just uh, build independently from that and uh, in solidarity, unity and uh, international, um, uh, basically a new international. Katya Kazbek is a writer, translator, and the editor-in-chief of arts and culture magazine supamodu.com. And Alexei Sakin is a Russian activist and a member of the Left Front, one of the leaders of the anti-Putin protest movement uh, from 2011 to 2013. Thanks very much to you both. Thank you. Thank you.